Seattle's Morning News. This is Dave Ross with Colleen O'Brien. Joining us, the moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan. Debt crisis. Any indication they're going to push this too far this time? Well, that's the risk. Um, We do have some key Republican voices like the chair of the House Financial Services Committee telling CBS News that he is already working on a way to avert a crisis, um, which would mean potentially Republicans and Democrats having to work together to vote to raise the debt ceiling, which has already been breached. Um, That's the $31 trillion sort of max on our national credit card that was hit yesterday. Congress controls the purse strings and has to raise that spending limit in order for the government to continue paying past bills. This isn't about future spending. It's about paying obligations like your Social Security payments. Yeah. So you do have some Republican leaders saying that they can come to an agreement, but that it's, it's totally uncertain given how difficult the politics are for Speaker McCarthy. Well, what exactly do they want? So what would, if, the, if the Democrats did X, they would back down. What is what what's X? Well, look, this isn't um, when we say it's House Republicans, it's really a portion of House Republicans who are threatening this. And they are the more um, rebellious faction that Kevin McCarthy really sort of tussled with as he tried to get the votes to confirm himself as speaker. So uh, in that process, there were sort of promises made in terms of a future spending cuts. So some of these uh, rebel members are saying that they want to potentially use the leverage that they have, the political sort of chit of the debt ceiling as a way to extract concessions about spending in the future, promises to cut things. So this is being used as a tool, um, but the two are not connected. They want to connect them. Democrats are saying, no, you can't. And the White House is saying, we're not going to negotiate over the debt ceiling. You just got to vote to do basic governance. And then maybe later we'll talk about spending cuts. So that's the the why here. Um, But in terms of trying to use political leverage, it's a pretty dangerous tool to play with. But aren't they using this political leverage? I mean, they they have the majority. They're using the political leverage on themselves. The the Republican-controlled Congress sets the budget. So spend less next year. Well, that's a conversation House Republicans generally would like to have in terms of being more fiscally conservative. But that's future spending. That's not the debt ceiling. That future spending conversation is something that perhaps, uh, you know, the White House might need to negotiate on. Remember, they do have, of course, the majority in the Senate. But uh, back in 2011, when this was uh, the debt ceiling was also used as a political tool and it, it led to all sorts of political complications, America's debt their credit worthiness was downgraded just based on the threat. There was no default. It was just the threat of one that led to that downgrade um, because of the, the potential complications that would arise from doing so. So the threat of this alone is something that has reverberations in the financial markets, which is why we're talking about this now, even though Treasury Secretary Yellen says she can sort of move pots of cash around in the near term and keep paying America's bills until June 5th. So there's time on the calendar, but the politics are so difficult there are those doubting whether it's possible to get to 218 votes in the House, even though Republicans have the majority, because it is just such a divided caucus. Well, I mean, they put it off for a few months, but that just guarantees the the debate will go on because they they never seem to come to an agreement until the 11th hour. And um, so what's your prediction? Are the Social Security going to checks going to bounce come June? Uh, It is 
so politically toxic to even threaten to do that. <laughs> no lawmaker who'd want to be reelected, I think, would play that game. Um, I think this is going to drag out. Uh, we know that Leader McConnell in the Senate has said there's no risk of a financial crisis, you know, sort of signaling the adults in the room, as, as some would uh, classify him, uh, will work behind the scenes with the House to try to say, look, we can come up with some political packaging that makes everyone look like they won and not bring us to the brink of financial disaster. Um, that's what happened basically back in 2011. It was Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden at that time who who worked out a deal behind the scenes. Um, that may have to happen again here, but it, the politics have only gotten more complicated since 2011, which is why um, this is seen as such a challenge politically. Um, but for for those who think that not raising the debt ceiling will cut spending, that's not the same thing. Refusing to raise the debt ceiling is just like someone cutting off your credit card and meaning your past bills will only still be mounting and that the government will have to make decisions over which to pay, whether it's your Social Security or food inspections. All right, let's talk about Ukraine. Uh, I I see that Germany is going to send some tanks to Ukraine. Uh, Britain's already agreed to send some tanks to Ukraine. But uh, the U.S. is dilly-dallying, and NATO is still apparently really worried about what that would mean. So what is at stake here? Well, the, the Germans are wavering on that. They are saying they still haven't been able to come to agreement within their own government on whether to send tanks to Ukraine. And it's not just sending their own stockpile, it's sending German-made tanks that they sold to countries like Poland and Finland. Those governments have to ask German permission to send their supplies overseas. So that's why it matters, if this German policy decision. The Ukrainians are saying, look, we're, we're stuck in trench warfare in the east of the country. It looks like World War One out there. We need these tanks. By the way, America's not sending tanks. Uh, the Ukrainians want Abrams tanks. Uh, the U.S. government won't go there. Right now, they are sending more fighting vehicles. They've already approved Bradleys. They have uh, striker fighting vehicles that are sending, and these are things that will help protect fighters in these circumstances. Um, but this has been this drip, drip, drip of the United States just s- sort of slowly approving heavier and heavier weapons as the fight gets more intense. And so that's where uh, we are right now. There's this conference underway that the Defense Secretary Austin is at where he is trying to keep allies together. And he's, he's saying, you got to dig deeper, guys. We, we have to stay united um, and help Ukraine, if not win on the battlefield, then be able to win extractions at the negotiating table from the Russians. And the best way to do that, the U.S. calculation is, is by showing Vladimir Putin that he's losing. So that's where we are. Well, it sounds like uh, Ukraine is saying to Europe, either you put your tanks on our territory or you're going to have to use them on your territory pretty soon. That has been President Zelensky's message again and again and again, that uh, this is a fight that Ukraine is waging on behalf of the entire West, because his belief is that Vladimir Putin won't stop, that he will take a win and if or whatever he views as a win and, and keep moving, that he will continue to send Russian men into a meat grinder of a war and just doesn't care. The moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. 647 Seattle's Morning News. Have you noticed gas prices are on the rise again? No more $2 gas up there in uh, Anacortes. 
And it has nothing to do with the war in Ukraine or supply issues in the U.S. It's apparently due to the new climate policies that went into effect this month. Let's go to Chris Sullivan. Yeah, those states' new carbon fees that charge gas suppliers for their impact on the environment went into effect on January 1st. They were passed last legislative session to help pay for the $17 billion transportation package and to meet uh, the governor's climate goals. While not directly raising the gas tax, these fees charged to suppliers are expected to be simply passed on directly to consumers at the pump. During last year's debates on this, the actual cost, uh, cost of this increase why, uh, you know, varied wildly. Some would say it wouldn't raise gas prices at all. Others claimed it could raise prices more than a dollar a gallon at the pump. Uh, we don't really know what it'll be uh, at all, but, uh, you know, we, and we won't really know maybe until next month, at least a little bit, when we have our first actual carbon allowance auctions to occur. That's when the suppliers actually find out how much per metric ton of carbon emissions that they will have to pay. For every gallon of gas, fuel distributors have to buy an allowance from the state. The price of that allowance is yet to be determined, but the minimum price is $22 a metric ton, which calculates to 17 cents a gallon. At the top end, it's $81 per metric ton, which equals 65 cents a gallon. So we're not quite sure exactly where it's going to fall, but the Washington Policy Center's Todd Meyer says the price at the pump has already gone up 10 cents in Washington since this law took effect three weeks ago, and there has been no corresponding jump in prices anywhere else along the West Coast. Now, I know it's the station that I track on my way to work has gone up more than 10 cents in the last week, just you know for anecdotal purposes there. But Joel Crowe... Cresswell with the Department of Ecology says it's too early to blame this rise at the pump on the new carbon fees. It's pretty hard to tease out exactly how much of any given bump up or bump down in the gas price at the pump is due to any specific policy. And Cresswell blames gas stations for profit taking and then blaming the policy. Some companies are putting what we call anticipatory surcharges on there. Some of the ones we've heard about are uh, pretty out of line with what our estimates are for the compliance costs. But Meyer says companies are just protecting themselves since the Actual costs haven't been determined. Fuel distributors are basically guessing. They're flying blind. Um, they don't know what the cost is. So they're, some are increasing prices quite a bit, some not at all. Governor Inslee was asked by our Matt Markovich about this this week. The oil and gas industry projections around any of this are halfway between hogwash and baloney. And I just checked with Google Maps, and I believe that puts us near malarkey. But seriously, Inslee, who pushed for these carbon taxes, has this to say about it. And I'm not happy about it. To blame price increases increases in Arkansas and New York and Connecticut on Washington climate laws is nuts. Of course, nobody is blaming our prices or comparing our prices to New York or Connecticut or elsewhere. They're being compared to our regional markets here along the West Coast, which haven't seen a corresponding jump. Bottom line is this. We are paying more at the pump right now. It is likely that we will continue to pay increasing prices as this system works itself out. Again, those first auctions are next month, so we'll see where things go and where that price is passed on. Uh, but yeah, I think this is uh, what we're looking forward to going uh, as we move forward. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this whole auction approach is the is the sort of the free market uh, solution to climate change, right? Yes, for for those that uh, you know, but. Th- Again, not a lot of the, the the free market didn't want these to begin with. Obviously, the suppliers didn't want to have to to pay to pay for this. Uh, it's an interesting new way to pay for uh, you know what people believe are the human caused effects 
on climate change. So we'll see. But yeah, that that is kind of way. I mean, they could pay as little as, as they said, 22 by law uh, per metric ton or 81 uh, per metric ton. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see where it goes in the middle. But either way, it's those of us who pay for gas that are going to end up paying the cost. Now, we also have a very exciting weekend on the freeways because there's uh, a number of repair projects going on. right? Oh, yeah, it's a huge one. Uh, and the first uh, one we're going to talk about is the biggie that I highlighted in yesterday's choke point up in Everett on I-5 northbound. Two right lanes of the freeway are going to be closed from 10 o'clock tonight to 5 a.m. on Monday morning, so contractors can replace 40 concrete panels. This work was supposed to happen in the spring, but one of those panels rocked out of position last week, causing a huge mess. States worried that others could do the same, so they're jumping in to fix them ahead of schedule. Lane closures begin about Broadway and will continue up past Marine View Drive. Both of the lake bridges are going to be closed at different times this weekend. I-90 is up first. The eastbound lanes are going to be closed from I-5 to Island Crest Way at 11 o'clock tonight. It's going to last to about 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. This is regularly scheduled maintenance to inspect the tunnels, go in, replace the light bulbs, things like that. Both directions of 520 will be closed on Saturday night between Montlake and 92nd on the east side. This is going to last until 5 a.m. on Monday. Contractors once again pouring concrete on that new eastbound connection from Montlake to the floating bridge, placing girders on the new Montlake lid. You will, however, this weekend be able to travel between I-5 and Montlake lake during this closure. Okay, so the two lake bridges will not be closed at the same That is time. correct. One night for one, one night for the other. They're alternating their closures. I-90 tonight, 520 tomorrow night. Great perspective on that interview. It was such a great one. If you want to hear the full interview, what day did we air that? Was that Tuesday or Wednesday? We've got the Seattle's Morning News podcast. Yeah. Uh, so go to CairoRadio.com under podcast. You'll find Seattle's Morning News and you can hear the full one. Great stuff. Your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft, a New Orleans single mother of five is making a difference by helping other single moms across the nation. Kiana Rowe gives gifts to other single mothers who reach out to her through Facebook because she knows what it's like to be left out. Kylie Smith, a recipient of her act of kindness, wanted to share her appreciation and gratitude for her on News Nation. I cried, honestly. I had no idea what was going on, and I was like, why is this random person sending me money? It was so sweet and definitely unexpected. Kiana responding says hearing from mothers feels amazing. It's good to pay it forward. I think that in this day and age, random acts of kindness, they're needed. Kiana is a manager at Walmart, overseeing eight different stores in the New Orleans area. She says her job keeps her busy, but helping other single moms, that's what's close to her heart. I worked my way up from the bottom. So one thing that I just believe in is that I had a lot of people in my corner and it wasn't always easy. And so when it comes to Mother's Day or Christmas, I know what it feels like to be a single mom. And sometimes, you know, they just kind of get left out, especially if they have little kids being able to you know send a gift um through through walmart's pickup today and letting them be able to go get it um it it meant a lot to me because i know there were times that you don't really feel bad because you just want to do for your kids but it's nice to receive something for somebody to say hey i see you that is such a one of the first revelations i had after elliot was born is i was trying to give her a bath alone and I just thought, how do single parents do this? Yeah. How do they? I needed my husband every time for that bath. 
748 now from the Gia Ursula Show. A guy just waltzed in here saying he hates Valentine's Day. <laughs> Gee, Scott. I do. I think Valentine's right. Day is such an inconvenience <laughs> and is such a made-up holiday and is such a, oh, let me show social media what I did for the person that I love. And, oh, honey, should we just go out to dinner like everyone else? And like you said, Colleen, good luck finding those reservations. And when you do find those reservations, it's going to be an overpriced meal. I think Valentine's Day should be done away with. And it, you know what redeemed it for me? You know, what, re- you know what? what redeemed it for me? What? Was, was focusing the Valentine's Day attention and gifts on my kids. So my husband and I have an understanding, right? Like, it's like, okay, yeah, we appreciate each other throughout the year. Maybe we find something that's meaningful. But when I, I would cut out like heart confetti yeah. and I would leave little treats for them at the end of the hall because I'm not there when they wake up in the morning. Yeah. So focusing Valentine's Day on loving your kids, that to see them light up, that to Perfect. me redeems the holiday. Me and Sully be disagreeing on everything. All right. But this one right here, we are together on this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm talking about kumbaya. Yeah. You know, if you want to celebrate St. Valentine's Valentine, tell him, hey, you did a great job there. Great. That's fine. Here, here, have a, have a card, Whoa. you know, for him. That sounds boring. Well, yeah. Then the rest of it is all just made up. Yeah. Hallmark's made a killing off of dumb killing. people like me. What about you, Dave? Do you expect a Valentine's Day gift? No. No. Do you get one? Uh, no. Oh. That's why I don't. Actually, Your wife's uh, presence is gift enough. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I'll use that. Thank you. You're yes, welcome. Yeah. I can write cards. Down so, too. So I Dave, used to work at Hallmark. So can, can you just agree? Can you agree with what? me when I say that Valentine's Day is just in the way? I, I find most holidays are in the way for me, G. It all, it's because it layers, you know, there's expectations now. You got to do something. And I can't figure out from your day what it is I'm expected to do. <laughs> but I, I muddle through. I take, just take it a day at a time. Yeah. And you're, you're married, what, almost how many years now are you guys going to celebrate? We celebrate with 50 years oh, in September. That's yeah. amazing. See? I don't know how he did it. But I thought <laughs> you were, the thing you were exercised by yesterday was, was getting fired. Yeah. Well, getting fired. Uh, well, look, getting fired, no matter what, or getting broken up with, no sure. matter what. Feels bad. Feels awful. Mm-hmm. Right? I've never known of someone to get laid off and or fired and be like, you know what? It was the delivery for me. <laughs> love love the way they told me. No, you're upset that you got fired or let go in the first place. So what you heard me say was is um, whether or not how do you want it? You want an email or do you yeah. want to come in in person and be told face to face? I said, send your boy an email Mm -hmm. because here's what uses happen sometimes. There's a lot of folks that I know that says, I wish you would have told me that I didn't have to get dressed, take care of the kids this morning, come through traffic. I did do all of that and came in only to be told, sir, bam, you got to go. Mm -hmm. And oh, can I go grab my stuff? No, you can't grab your stuff right now. You need to come after hours. So I got to come back to this place. Or have send, your stuff packaged up for you and left send, at the front desk. If it's if you buy, if you guys make the decision on Friday, let your boy enjoy the weekend. Send me that email on Sunday so I can be like, hey, got it. I'm sleeping in. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. It's gonna hurt no matter what. Now it's subjective. However you want it. How about this? How about we in the beginning of our contracts when we uh, sign our, our, our on the dotted line to becoming an employee? How about you say, oh. In the case of me being let go, I'd be. I like to be let go this way. Oh, like, like yeah, like at the beginning, you can check a box that check. says, "Here's how it's going to play out for me," and no problems. The well, email is better than you know the walk of shame as you're leaving the office mm. with your 
you all your stuff in a box. You feel me? You yeah. guys want to talk about it from a manager's perspective? <laughs> yeah. No, I, G has no sympathy for managers. I have, I have, no, I have no sympathy <laughs> no. for managers. I've, because- I've had to lay off a few people in my time as a manager, and I just remember you know, the advice being, one, it should never be a surprise. Mm-hmm. There should be open communication so that person has an idea that things may not be going well, this and that. should never be a surprise, and it needs to be quick. Let there be dignity in, here's what happened, we're letting you go, here's what you need to know. I'm sorry. You know, like yeah. that's that to me, short and simple and without surprise is really the only way you can. F- being fired sucks either way. I think the entire employee employer situation needs to be overhauled. Mm. The, the whole like, oh, you know, you should really put your two week notice in the employer. We'll just fire you right now. You know I what I mean? Like, so they should give you two weeks as well. Everything is always balanced for the employer. Of course. Mm-hmm. Non-compete agreements. You guys talked about that. Who's that for? Is that for the employee or the employer? It's so it's for the employer so they can make sure you keep in check on your salary. Mm-hmm. But during those two weeks, <laughs> what, what kind of work are you going to put in? Probably, hey, probably the same kind of work that got me fired in the first place. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Gina Ursula, 9 o'clock on Cairo News Radio. Thanks, G. And as you may have heard, big changes are ahead for the Seattle City Council. Another council member, Shama Sawant, has decided not to run for re election. With us here is Cairo News Radio's Heather Bosch. Good morning, Heather. Good morning, Dave. Someone says she will serve out her term, which runs to the end of the year, but then she'll turn her attention to a new pro-labor group she's forming. She says the organization called Workers Strike Back will kick off in March in several cities around the country. So this is the beginning, and we hope that rank-and-file workers and young people across the nation will feel inspired to join us and begin this fight. Sawant is currently the most senior member of the city council, and it's only socialists. At times controversial, she survived a recall campaign. Despite how we have fought back and never sold out, we have won four elections. That is tremendously historic. Sawant becomes the fourth of seven incumbents on the council to say they won't seek re-election. Lisa Herbold, Alex Peterson, and Deborah Juarez all indicating they're done. It will change the dynamic of the council significantly and in ways that are pretty hard to predict. But former Seattle Mayor Greg Nichols tells me it is time for change, given what he's seen. I've been somewhat discouraged. Um, I don't think that our city has stepped up the way it's needed to. Now, there's no doubt the pandemic's been a big challenge to every city, but Seattle seems to be stymied when it comes to supporting businesses, helping the homeless, as well as fighting drugs and crimes, Nichols noted. A woman I know who is a refugee from Ukraine, who confided in me that she did not feel safe in this city. And that to me is just, that just job number one is to keep the public safe. Okay, so who's to blame? I would not point to a single member uh, as being the problem. And it's not because council members have different ideas and views. In fact, that's necessary. He tells me it's their unwillingness to work together. So it's really about being a, a good team player. Has the current council done that? (laughs) In 
It hasn't been obvious if they have. (laughs) So with seven out of nine city council positions up for a vote in November, we have some homework to do. He suggests voters look for candidates who have good ideas, not just those who say what they're for or against, basically just telling you what you want to hear. And, of course, look for indications perhaps a track record that they can work well with others, Dave. Good idea. Heather Bosch. Thank you, Heather. Seattle's morning news at 847. A good morning to you. I'm Colleen O'Brien. Dave had to step out. He's interviewing the mayor right now. So we'll probably hear highlights from that in the upcoming Seattle's morning news. Um, Let's see. We've been talking a lot about layoffs. We have new layoffs announced at Alphabet, the parent company of Google. We've had Microsoft, Amazon, all the tech companies. But there's a new direction employers are taking. We want to talk about that with Mickey Gomez. What's going on? So if you're looking for a job in 2023, analysts are saying, buckle up, buttercup. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I spoke to HR consultant Jeremy Hollister, who works with all types of employers and candidates about this new concept where, um, you know, people who are applying for jobs and the reporting that they're getting ghosted when it comes to being interviewed. And I, I just I, I said, Jeremy, I find this hard to believe. Tell me, is this really happening? And he said, based off of my network, um, I, I've seen in certain industries you have that issue. They are uh, looking to hire a lot of candidates, um, and uh, they may decide, you know, once you get in the door, so to speak, for an interview, that you're not the right fit. So they don't show up. Um, I've had that happen to a, a couple of uh, contacts of mine. So the candidate doesn't show up, or that the employer, the, the pres- company, didn't show up. What? <laughs> wow. The interview didn't. It was scheduled, and they didn't show up. Oh my gosh! So companies are ghosting candidates. What gives? But yeah, there's a lot of companies that are looking to uh, fill roles, and and they may not have the right staff. To do the interviews, or um, they, you know, they, they may be over scheduling and, and under committing. Well, it sounds like a jungle out there. What advice do you have for the person who just got laid off and is looking for the next big gig? Pace yourself, um, and I think networking is important, not just online, um, but also meeting people in person uh, where you can. I think it's really beneficial. Uh, there was a recent report that said that most people. Um, have gotten uh, a new job through their passive network or peripheral network as opposed to people that they see day in and day out. So um, expand your network. So you and I were just talking <laughs> about this, Colleen. Between when and when, honestly, when you're, <laughs> when you're you know, the CEO of your family, when right. you already have a full-time job, when you've been at that job for 10 years, I mean, when are you going to have this passive network that you're also working just in case? I, it's just, it seems impossible to get a job these it days. It does. It really does, which is a lot different than where we were, let's say, last year, mm-hmm. where there were so many jobs <laughs> that were available and people were doing, you know, you can work from home. Oh, hiring bonus. Throw it, right. Hiring yeah. bonus. But now what we're finding is that uh, people are getting ghosted. Uh, you said that that happened. Oh, yeah. To my husband. Know? Yeah. Back. It looks this was probably 10 years ago when this was happening. And, you know, probably 20. What year would it be? Well, it might have been right after the 0809 recession. So it kind of makes sense where employers were in a similar situation, uh, you know, not having enough people to go through the hiring process properly. But, yeah, he would apply to multiple jobs. He would go do the interviews and then he wouldn't hear a thing. 
But we think it might have been because his name is spelled with a K, Mm -hmm. Christopher with a K, and he would put Chris Byram on his uh, application. And K-R-I-S is typically a short for Christine. Mm -hmm. And so he changed it to Christopher and started getting calls back. And so we thought it might have been more of a gender thing than an actual. Yeah. But even still. So Jeremy says, um, well, HR consultant Jeremy Hollister says that if, um, you know, relative to the number of job postings that are out there, interview ghosting is rare, but it is happening. Sure. We're hearing about it. He said to assume good intent if it, hap- if it happens to you. It could be scheduling mishap. Uh, if the interview was missed, follow up with a text, follow up with an email to confirm, um, hey, did something change? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also do your research ahead of an interview. Know what the company does. Oh, please. Yes. I've had so many interviews where I'm like, so what are the top, st-? you know, I'm hiring for a news department. So what do you think are the top stories in Seattle? You know, I haven't really had a chance to look at the local papers and, and listen to Cairo <laughs> yeah. News. And I go, I, I mean, I'm I'm going to have to end the interview right now because if you can't get past that question, then you probably right. won't be a good fit. Know, know what you're applying for. Know what the company does. Not yeah. only that, but there's quiet hiring. So a lot of the people, that's the new buzzword that's out there right now. Quiet hiring. Not quite quitting, Not but quiet, quiet hiring. Quitting. Yes. The people who quit <laughs> yeah. and were quiet about it are now coming back to quiet hiring because they just can't afford to make ends meet. They're not finding anything and they're coming back. Most of them are looking for part-time work. They're not looking to go back to full-time, but they're, uh, they're hurting and they're trying to find jobs and it's it's getting a lot harder out there. More companies also are, are like like Disney. Jeremy and I were talking about uh, uh, Disney, and he said they want you back in the office because you have to be creative. You and mm-hmm. you're creative when you're around people. So you know, just be open minded. Mm-hmm. Do your homework. Start passive networking if you can, and lean into the vulnerability. There's plenty of groups too, and just amongst your friends who you can complain to, and you know, kind of talk about how hard it is and, and get that off your chest because it can be really, I know just for my husband through his experience of, of not even getting a, hey, no, we're going to pass on you, just having that left up in the air, it's really demeaning. It is demeaning. And it can be hard to continue when that's happening. As a matter of fact, I applied for this job that I'm doing right now in December. I didn't hear from Cairo until February. And when <laughs> I got the call and it was Charlie, our boss, yeah. I, I, I immediately put him on mute and I said, oh, he's calling to, to give me a courtesy call to tell me that they've already hired someone. Aww. How sweet of him. And yeah. then, he, then he said, well, we'd like to interview you. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. Yeah. So it can take time. It can take sometimes. time. And yeah. it is taking time. So be patient. All right. Thank you, Mickey. What was that again? Quiet hiring. Quiet hiring. Got it. All right. We're all being so weird around each other after the pandemic. <laughs> Quiet quitting. Quit. Let's just talk. Let's just get it all out there, okay? 853, somebody who likes to talk, Sully. And yeah, you should have heard the questions I asked Mickey in one of the interviews. Oh. I can't really remember because she blew me away anyway. And that's what? why we're here. So <laughs> What do you call the, the major freeway that runs uh, north-south no, if she said the five? Yeah. Done. You're fired. You put a, put a <laughs> thumb in front of a five. You're fired before Sorry. you even started. You know what? I've got a great station in L.A. if you want to. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to the show's podcast. We're happy you're here. And you can keep up with the show and find some of the stories from today online at MyNorthwest.com.